Hi, I'm Jeremy Hall, and you're listening to the Kingdom Ethics Podcast. If this is your first episode with us, we are in what we're calling a bonus season. What this episode is, is different. Normally, the Kingdom Ethics Podcast is David and myself discussing, questioning topics of interest to the world, to the political moment, to the church, to faith, to life in general, from a Christian ethical perspective, standpoint, lens, and helping you ask those sorts of questions as well, and talk about how to do that work of Christian ethics out in the field that is the church and the world. This bonus season are chunks of lectures from David. These are a sneak preview at the forthcoming book, Introduction to Christian Ethics, that with the permission of the publisher, we are sharing with you pieces that I think are really good, really useful, really exciting, but also hopefully an invitation to that work, that product, that book, uh, which will be produced as a book, a study guide, a curriculum, a video series, and an audiobook. So lots of ways to engage with that content. Today, uh, the, the section that we're listening to is lifted from the 11th chapter, simply titled Love. And what I'm sharing with you today is actually the closing, the, the conclusion of that chapter in which David focuses in on the category of covenant. I hope you enjoy it. I hope you find this provocative, inspiring, useful. Um, covenant is language that we don't really use anymore, but, but is still a really powerful category in the ethical realm. That One that I hope to, to bring back, to bring forward, to, to reintroduce to the the language of today's church. So I hope you enjoy. I hope this is meaningful. As always, you can find David and I on social media and on our respective websites. I haven't given you those in a while. So that's davidpgushy.com and revjeremyhall.com. That's a good way to keep up with us and our other projects. Thank you. I'm glad you're here. Let's get right into it. This is Kingdom Ethics. Covenant themes are important in Christian ethics. Hak Jun Lee, in his 2021 book, Christian Ethics, A New Covenant Model, makes covenant the central term for Christian ethics. Covenant is a major theme, especially in Calvinist Reformed Christian ethics, and I find in this stage of my own work, the concept has also become increasingly central. Covenants in Scripture are the agreements rooted in vowed promises that bind persons in sacred enduring relationships. The Bible's theological story is structured by a series of covenants between God, Israel, and the world, and the Bible contains depictions of many specific covenant relationships between people or peoples, sometimes with God, sometimes witnessed by God. The theme of covenant has profound moral as well as theological significance because covenants are one major way in which the moral obligations of different types of relationships can be understood. Generally, 
The paradigm for covenant ethics has been set by the example of explicit verbalized agreements involving publicly articulated sacred vows. This certainly applies to traditional marriage relationships as well as in legal, governmental, and business settings. Explicitly articulated covenants intentionally declare the nature, structure, and boundaries of the moral obligations of the covenanting partners. But it is possible, not unarguable, but possible, to extend the concept of covenant to implicit and unverbalized obligations that exist in various types of relationships. For example, when persons or couples become parents, as I argued in my 2004 book, Getting Marriage Right, they now are bound in a covenant with their children. Indeed, I would argue that the covenant that binds a couple changes when they become parents, because their responsibilities now extend beyond one another. Babies don't come out carrying their covenant certificates, but parents incur covenant responsibilities nonetheless. One way to understand love as an ethical obligation is to ask about which expressions of love best fit with the type of covenant that exists between people. The Hebrew term hesed is important here. It is a term with a wide range of meanings, but here I focus on covenant love and faithful performance of what love requires. How one thinks about love, or the proper expression of love, depends on the nature of the covenant involved. Parent-child, brother-sister, church-family, spouses, lovers, employer-employee, president and people, etc. Love looks like doing what Hesed requires, case by case. That might entail sacrifice today, self-assertion tomorrow, and deliverance the next day. This is a reminder that morality is both principle-based and also contextual. Our obligations emerge in specific relationships and moments. Love is always required, but what love requires needs discernment in the situation. 11.4. Love as the impossible possibility? Christian theologian and ethicist Reinhold Niebuhr, in his 1935 book, An Interpretation of Christian Ethics, offered one of the most famous, though disputed, treatments of the ethics of love that exists in our tradition. Deeply affected by the assumption that love is defined by the renunciation of self-interest, Niebuhr describes, quote, the law of love as, quote, an impossible ethical ideal, always relevant to every moral decision, but never fully achievable in this world. He says those who see love as a, quote, simple possibility are naive, but those who see it as a remote and irrelevant ideal miss its abiding significance in all aspects of moral life. So sometimes Niebuhr settles on the paradoxical language of love as an impossible possibility, page 72. Niebuhr suggests that love is always beckoning us to transcendent heights which we can never quite reach, but to which we must continually aspire. Love constantly calls us to greater purity in our motivations and greater breadth of application in practice. We must love not just a little but more, then more, then more. We must love not just self but partner, not just partner but children, not just children, but neighbors, and so on. We must love with more intelligence, more effectiveness, more care, more self-giving. If we think we have arrived at love, we know nothing about it. Niebuhr's idea makes me think of our ethics highway. Love is the destination, the telos, the goal, but we never fully arrive. We drive in the direction of love, but our destination keeps receding further towards the horizon. 
yet we dare not set our course for any other destination. While I think Niebuhr's vision of love lacked adequate mutuality and self-regard, I do agree that love is the destination that we can never quite reach. Our love can always become purer, broader, deeper, more vivid, active, practical, universal, and unconstrained, more like the love of God for us in Jesus Christ our Lord. 11.5 on the relationship between justice and love. We close by considering the fascinating relationship between justice and love. In intimate relationships such as in family life, we seek and offer love, not justice, right? I don't say to my wife, Jeannie, I sure justice you. However, if I were ever to not treat my wife fairly, ever dominate or harm her, ever bully her or mistreat her, ever exclude her from full partnership in the economic assets of our family, she would have reason to wonder about the meaningfulness of my claim to love her. In this sense, justice is an expression of love, even if not its highest and most transcendent dimension. If we do not treat our loved ones justly, then we may not really love them under any definition of love. In society, we do, we do not ask police officers to love us. We do demand that they treat us, all of us, justly. We do not ask governors to love us, but we do require that they advance public justice within the scope of their authority. We do not ask realtors to love us, but we do demand that they broker property sales without any form of discrimination. Civil rights activist Martin Luther King was often resisted by people wielding the facile Christian claim that, quote, the law cannot make white people love black people, only the gospel can do that. The intent of this claim was to tell Dr. King to abandon his efforts to change racist laws in the direction of greater justice and instead get back to preaching the gospel, which in due time would bring the heart change toward Christian love that was truly needed. Dr. King would respond time and again with these words, which made their way into his standard stump speech, quoting, It may be true that the law cannot make a man love me, but it can keep him from lynching me, and I think that's pretty important. King was here articulating a distinction between love and justice, in which justice is what legitimately can be required in society, while love goes beyond that. King himself spoke of the beloved community to describe his ultimate moral vision, while day-to-day, -day, he worked on justice basics like fair housing, voting rights, and non-discrimination in employment. Reinhold Niebuhr put it this way, quote, In a struggle between those who enjoy inordinate privileges and those who lack the basic essentials of the good life, it is fairly clear that a religion which holds love to be the final law of life stultifies itself if it does not support equal justice as a political and economic approximation of the ideal of love. That's in Interpretation of Christian Ethics, page 80. Those words were written in 1935, but it is as if Niebuhr was already responding to Dr. King's interlocutors to wit. Anyone who claims that love is the highest moral obligation must actively support efforts to advance equal justice for all. As American political philosopher Cornell West has often said, justice is what love looks like in public. Exactly how much justice we create in society determines the well-being of every person in that society. All made in God's image, all regarded equally by God, all people for whom Christ died.
testing. Jeremy Hall is the best. Everybody knows it. Test, test, test. Test, test. People all over the world say, what does Jeremy Hall think? Test, test, test. Very Trumpian compliments. <laughs> Everyone, they say to me, it's the best. The best. Everyone knows it. The liberal media tries to tell you otherwise. They're liars. Liars. 